Who has seen the YouTube video, I hate religion, but I love Jesus? You know that poem that guy says? No? Well, we're going we're gonna to play it, so when I ask you again, you can all say yes. <laughs> so, yeah, this guy's talking about how he hates religion but loves Jesus. And when he says religion, he doesn't mean someone who calls themselves a Christian, but like religion is in someone trying to do something to earn their righteousness. So, let's have a look. So, who's seen that YouTube video? Yes. There we go. That's better. Cool. So, what do you think of that? Do you guys agree with what he was saying? Do you think religion is good or bad compared to what he said? Because today I want to look at and let you guys see that religiosity opposes Jesus. And when I say religiosity, I'm not talking about someone who says they're a Christian. I'm talking about someone who's trying to obey the law. They're following rules and traditions and trying to pass that off to make them righteous. And that's how the Pharisees um, lived in the book of Luke as we've been looking. They were the religious teachers in Jesus' time and they took God's law but they didn't see that it pointed to love. They instead just obeyed the laws and followed the rules. Jesus was opposed to that, and I'll show you why. So my first point is that Jesus is the point of any religion. We're just going to look at Luke 5.33. Here the Pharisees approach Jesus and say, John's disciples often fast and pray, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours go on eating and drinking. So Jesus and his disciples don't fast enough. That's what the Pharisees are saying. But is it a question? No. They're just trying to put Jesus down. They're comparing Jesus to them. They're saying, hey, Jesus, okay, our disciples, they fast and pray. So does John the Baptist. But what are yours doing? They're just eating and drinking. They've got nerve to ask Jesus that. But then Jesus' response in verse 34 and 35, can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he is with them but the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them in those days they will fast here Jesus is saying just as you don't um, fast when you go to the celebration wedding of a bridegroom, neither should his disciples fast while he's among them he's bringing about a new change, it's a time for celebration not for mourning it's like this, imagine you're all at my party, I'm having a big party tonight, so you rock up to my party at Jono's house, and there's so much food on the table, the dance floor's cranking with Phil and Todd doing their awesome moves, um, and all your mates are there. Imagine just rocking up, sitting down in a chair, I'm not going to eat any food, I'm not going to celebrate, I'm just going to sit here. Like, you wouldn't do that, unless you're not my friend and you don't like me, but if you're at my party, you know, you're there to celebrate, it wouldn't make sense just to fast from eating all the food. It's the same with Jesus' disciples. The Pharisees don't understand that Jesus is the point of fasting. When people fast, it's to show that they need to depend on God and Jesus and show their utter need for Christ. So why would Jesus' disciples fast when Jesus is there with them? Now we're going to look at, quickly turn over to Luke 6, verse 1 and 2, where it's on that Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields and his disciples began to pick some heads of grain, rub them in their hands and eat the kernels. And some of the Pharisees asked why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? So the Pharisees are getting annoyed at Jesus again. They're in a grain field. I don't know why they're with Jesus in a grain field. Like, it's a pretty random place for Pharisees to be. But they're in the grain field, and they're not happy that Jesus and his disciples are working. Now, if you guys are uncommon with what the Sabbath is, the Sabbath was a day that the Jews set aside. They didn't work. They kind of dedicated it to God. But then the Pharisees have made up all these rules, saying... 
well, this is what you have to do to not work so you don't break the rules. And that's pretty much why they're angry at Jesus, because he's picking stuff off. Um, but Jesus' response in verses 3 and 5, he said, Have you ever read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and taking the consecrated bread, he ate what is lawful only for priests to eat, and he also gave some to his companions. It's a classic response. Jesus is quoting scripture, the Pharisees going, well, in the Old Testament, David was running away from Saul, and he needed to eat food, because, you know, you've got to eat food. That's pretty normal. So he needed to eat food, so he went into a temple, and he took consecrated bread that only the priest was supposed to eat, and he ate that and gave that to his followers so they could survive. So pretty much Jesus is saying, well, if David can, you know, work and eat this bread that people can't eat, I'm allowed to do this on the Sabbath. Then he says something crazy straight after that. He says, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus is saying that he is Lord of the Sabbath. Imagine that every Thursday is a public holiday. It's the day where we celebrate how cool Todd is. So on that day, you don't have to go to school. Every Thursday is a day off. How good is that? So you don't have to go to school, and they have rules like you can't play sport. Everyone's going to chill at home. If Todd then decides he wants to go and play tennis, and someone comes up to him and goes, oh, you can't play tennis on Todd Day, Todd's going to be like, this is my, you know, it's my holiday. I can play tennis if I want to. It's a pretty good analogy, I know. I've thought of that for ages. <laughs> it's pretty good. But in the same way, it's the idea that the Sabbath is like Jesus' holiday, and he's Lord of the Sabbath. But the Pharisees would have been spewing. They're like, who is this guy who's come in here not fasting, doing, breaking all our rules and saying he's in charge of everything? They just don't get that Jesus is the point of all their religious traditions. They're too busy living their lives and focusing on the way they live and the law that they miss who the law points to, which is Jesus. Which brings me to my next point. Getting caught up in religion prevents you from truly knowing Jesus. We're going to read... Luke 5, 36 and 37, where it says, He told them this parable. No one tears a piece out of a new garment to patch an old one. Otherwise, they would have torn the new garment, and the patch from the new would not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. So I don't know about you guys. When I first read that, I'm confused going, we're talking about fasting, and Jesus is like, don't mix your fabrics in your clothing and don't put your wine in this wineskin. I'm like, how does that make any sense? We're going to have a look what he's getting at. <clears throat> what Jesus is saying that he is like a new piece of clothing, like a T-shirt. And no one's going to buy a new shirt, rip a piece off it and stick it on their old one to cover up a hole. Because what they've done is they've ruined the new one and then the old one doesn't match properly unless you're heaps Indian, you like clothes that don't match. But he, in the, those times, they didn't like that. So that was heaps bad. So instead of fixing that shirt, they've ruined both of them. And the similar deal with the wine. Um, back in those days, wine skin was made from goat and sheep skin. Heaps cool, eh? You're drinking from goat and sheep. Um, and what they did was, if you poured new wine into old wine skins, the new wine would ferment and burst the skin. So then all the wine's on the floor, on your carpet, sucks. And the wine skin's broken, so you've just made both useless. So Jesus is saying that he's bringing a new and fresh approach to God that cannot be mixed with the old traditions that the Pharisees are living by. If you tried to, both would be destroyed. And that's why Jesus said in verse 38, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. Religion cannot contain the new way of the gospel. 
But Jesus doesn't stop there. He goes on and says in verse 39, And no one after drinking old wine wants the new, for they say the old is better. Now when I first read that, I'm kind of like, so you're saying you're bringing new way, don't mix it with the old way, but the old is better. That makes no sense. But that's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying that some people who have drunk the old way, lived in the old way for so long, like the Pharisees, they learn to love that. And they don't want to try the new way. The Pharisees are loving, obeying their rules, and how good am I? I, don't, I fast, I don't eat on the Sabbath, etc. like that. That they don't even want to try Jesus' way because they think their way is better. So the Pharisees are missing Jesus. And throughout the whole book of Luke, the Pharisees have been testing Jesus, showing off how good they are, and observing all their laws. They're proud of their efforts, and they start to love the laws and themselves instead of loving God. They have become so used to and comfortable to their way of living, they don't want to change. Their religiosity is preventing them from knowing Jesus. Their person, the religion, was supposed to point to. Now, I know none of us run around to grain fields telling people, don't do this. So how does it all relate to us? Just like the Pharisees had the wrong idea about Jesus, so many of us can have a wrong idea about Jesus or Christianity, but don't even realize it. So right now I'm talking to you guys who don't call yourselves Christians or you're kind of working it out. Make sure that you're not caught up in or being held back by things or thoughts you have that you totally miss Jesus. Don't try and patch Jesus into your own lifestyle, your own thoughts about Christianity or your own traditions or things you do. If you do, neither of them will be of value to you. If you have doubts or questions, ask someone. There's so many people here who will be happy to talk to you. Don't just ignore it. Because Jesus is what it's all about. We literally can't do anything. We can't do anything to be right with God. It's all about Jesus. And that's what Christianity is about. It's make sure you don't end up like the Pharisees did and miss Jesus completely. Which brings me on to my final point. Where is your heart at in obedience? So, we're looking at Luke 7.11. Not 7.11. I don't even know why I said that. I'm a 7. It looks like a 7, actually. Uh, mine says 6. I don't even know what's going on. It's 6 to 11. 7 to 11 is cool. So in Luke 6, 6 to 11, we have our final conflict between the Pharisees and Jesus. Jesus is in the synagogue. He's preaching to everyone. The Pharisees are there watching going, is he going to heal? There's a guy with a shriveled hand kind of walking around. And it's seems set to go. But Jesus knows what the Pharisees are thinking. And in verse 8, he goes to the guy with the shriveled hand, get up and stand in front of everyone. So this guy with the shriveled hand is up. I imagine him like this. I don't know why. I'm showing my forearm muscle. Um, that's the only muscle I have, apparently. So, anyway, he's up in front of everyone. And Jesus then says to everyone, what is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save a life or destroy it? Because the Pharisees are like, he's breaking the Sabbath. He's going to heal someone. But what is funny, the Pharisees are trying to defend their tradition of not healing on the Sabbath, but they're plotting harm against the man of the shriveled hand and with Jesus while Jesus is trying to seek, uh, seek and meet people's needs. So who's actually breaking the Sabbath? Jesus who's going to heal someone, or the Pharisees who don't want this guy healed and are planning to go kill Jesus later? It's pretty, pretty ironic that the Pharisees break their own rules. I thought it was funny. Uni humor, you know. Um, so Jesus then looks around the room, and no one says anything after he asked that question that I said ages ago, and you probably forgot. So he tells the guy with the shivered arm, stretch out your arm, does that, and his hand's completely restored. Oh, it's his hand, not his arm. Anyway, his hand is completely restored. So Jesus is merely speaking, and he heals this guy's hand. He doesn't even do anything. 
He isn't claiming his authority. He's living it. And you'd imagine everyone would be celebrating like, woo, your hand's back. You can play tennis. Um, but that's not the case. The Pharisees are furious and plan what they want to do to Jesus, which is ultimately kill him. Like, that's just crazy. The Pharisees just want to kill him. So here's another really good analogy I have. Imagine you're in a library doing your homework. That sucks. Yeah, it sucks. But then the library just catches on fire. <laughs> your homework's gone. And there's fire everywhere. And then you start yelling at people because they, for some reason, just think the heat's up, heat's high. Yelling out, fire, get out. And the librarian's like, shh, please don't yell in the library. <laughs> like, <laughs> and you're so confused. So you start running to get out because it's going to burn you. And the librarians are yelling after you, don't run in the library. And you're like, I thought I couldn't yell in the library. So you're just trying to tell people and save people's lives, but the librarians just care about their stupid rules, but they're breaking them anyway, and they're going to burn, and that sucks so much. But, yeah, there we go. Don't go to the library to study. Um, so that's what the Pharisees. They're too busy focusing on their rules that they don't really care about other people, what's going on. So are the Pharisees' hearts in obedience to Jesus? Or are they too focused on their traditions? Jesus shows love, but the Pharisees just want to follow rules. So, where are your hearts at in obedience? Do you guys try to obey rules and traditions instead of obeying Jesus? Like, when we as Christians say, fight sin, why do we fight sin? Do we fight sin because that's what a Christian does? Or is it we fight sin because Jesus tells us to? Why do you come to youth? Think about it. Do you come because like, there's nothing better to do? All my friends go. There's a really cute guy and he likes me, so I'm going to go. Or, like, I've always done it. Like, since year seven, I've always gone to youth, so I just go to youth because that's what I do. And it's like, I serve at youth. I've got to go to youth. Or my friends will think, why aren't you going to youth? Are you a Christian if I don't go? Or do you go because you love God, you love Jesus, and are one to the message of the gospel? We need to make sure we aren't just doing things because that's what everyone else does. And that's, or that's what we've always done. If that's the reason why, that's religion. And it's not doing it out of love. At youth, why do you give? Because everyone else does it. Or it's, just what, it's just what Christians do. Like, why do you sing at youth? Uh, everyone sings at youth. That's just what we do. Why do you pray? Why do you read your Bible? Like, all those things are good. They're great things to do. But if you're doing them just because everyone else does them, or that's what a Christian does, then you're not, you're not, you're not grabbing the true message of love. Those things are supposed to be done because we love Jesus. So, religion and Jesus are completely opposite. You can't fit into both. That's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is being opposed by so many religious people, but he's also opposing them, saying your way and my way, oh, there you go, are completely different things. So, are you someone who is obedient to religion and just does things because that's what you do and you love doing it? Like, I love coming to youth. It's fun. Or are you someone who is obedient to Jesus Christ and does things because that's what Jesus wants them to do and we love Jesus? Because I know for me personally, I grew up in a church. I went to youth, went to church every day, read my Bible. But looking back, I never did it because I love Jesus. I just did it because that's what everyone does. Like I go to youth, go to church, read my Bible, party on. I love just doing that. So I just think that's a real danger of that. And that's the end. So I'm just going to pray for you guys. Father, I thank you that you did send your son Jesus to come and take us out of slavery and bondage to the law and of religion 
and that we can, um, we can be saved through um, Jesus' grace alone, that there's nothing we can do. It's already been done. And I pray that um, we would think into areas of our life that we might be doing just because that's what we've always done, but we can hopefully see that we need, it's all about love and we can just look to you because you're what it's all about. So I pray that as tonight we'll have a great night as well. Amen.